Hello, boys and girls. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. Uh, we really appreciate all of the downloads. We crossed a million or a month or so ago, but that's a big deal. It's a big deal. People are tuning in. Uh, it's looking like the quarantine's starting to end, so people are going back to work. That's always a good deal. But we do. We appreciate everybody that's listening, and we hope that everybody's uh, staying safe in these crazy times. This podcast is brought to you by the one and only Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Look no further. Give us a call today. Talk to Jeff, 940-658-3172. Or stanfieldhunting.com or look us up on Facebook at Stanfield Hunting. It's hunt booking time. It's May now. Hunt season's going to be here before you know it. You need to get on the books. Books are open, Jeff. Yes, they are. Always, 24-7. Look us up, stanfieldhunting.com. Follow us on Instagram, stanfieldhuntingoutfitters.com. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. Get skinny. Get skinny. You want to have a successful 2020 season, 2020 hunting season? You need you some Dive Bomb. Go to divebombindustries.com. They're coming out with stuff left and right. They got floaters coming out in the not-too-distant future. Specs Hawks. Spec socks, well, they had those, but these spec socks have their heads up. They're constantly coming out with something new, something new to change the game. They're the best silhouette on the market. They're the best silhouette sock on the market. They're what we use, and so many outfitters across America have made the switch to silhouettes, and they're using Dive Bomb. DiveBombIndustries.com is the way to go for 2020. We're also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. Only the, takes one. The hardest hitting shotgun shell out there right now. It's a culture. They've created a culture over there. All American made everything, every component that they put into these shotgun shells. Made right here in the USA, right up there in Michigan. They're doing a hell of a job. They're killing the game. BossShotShells.com is where you can find them. They'll ship right to your door. No big box stores, none of that stuff. Keeps the cost low. And it comes right to your door. You don't even have to get out of your underwear, which is a lot of people aren't doing that now that they're still under quarantine. They get up, stay in their underwear. So when you're surfing the web, go to BossShotShells.com. Get all your shotgun shells for this coming season. Also, if you're turkey hunting, I would highly recommend you get some Boss Tom in your life. Reach out there and get them. And we're also brought to you by Lucky Duck. The 2x4 blind the way to go. It's comfortable. It's roomy. You pack four people in there. It's got nice amenities. Got a little pocket for your coffee or water or whiskey, whatever you go, whatever you got going on there. I don't know, but the Lucky Duck two by four is the way to go. They've also got spinners. In case you didn't know that, Lucky Duck is known for their spinners. They're what we use. They run on a remote. You can put them out in the goose spread. Geese come in, they don't like the spinners, you can turn them off. Ducks start flying, you can turn them back on. Easy as that. LuckyDuck.com, or look them up on Instagram. Lucky Duck Premium Decoys on Instagram, I think's their handle. Good stuff. Good stuff. We're also brought to you by Pacific Calls. PacificCustomCalls.com. Uh, they've got some great turkey, de uh, turkey calls over there. Got some in right now. They're the mouth call that I use. Good stuff. Um... Their duck call, they've got a lesser goose call. It's really good. Uh, I mean, they've pretty much got it all. Big geese, little geese, ducks, turkeys. If you need if you need to call it in, I would look up Pacific Custom Calls. Get what you're going to need. Good guys over there, too. Real funny. Uh, we're also brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club. New to the podcast world. I think, what's their podcast? It's just Looking Glass Duck The Looking Duck Glass Club. Duck Club. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to the great guys over there, Logan Pyatt and his buddy Rebel. Uh, they got a bourbon tasting weekly type of, type of episode. It's a lot of fun to listen to. So It's a man's podcast. <clears throat> it's a man's man's podcast. They've also got uh, sweet-looking hoodies. I've talked about it before. Looking glass means a guy perched up shooting ducks and uh, got a scope on his gun. It's a fun little hoodie. Don't take it too seriously, but a lot of guys I see on Instagram are getting these hoodies. So you can uh, find them on Instagram, Looking Glass Duck Club, get you a Sweet little hoodie. And then you can also listen to their podcast. Uh, it's Looking Glass Duck Club. Wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also brought to you by J2 Outdoors. Maker of the J2 Ice Ripper. 
Don't let Mother Nature put a halt to your season anymore. Use the J2 Ice Ripper. Keep your honey hole open. Keep it from freezing over. Water is the water's king. Best best bait in the world. If you open don't water. have water, <coughs> if you don't have water, you got nothing at all. Ain't no waterfowl if you ain't got no water. Nope. Locks up, bird ship out. Don't let Mother Nature fuck you over anymore. Go to uh, get the J2 Ice Ripper. I think it's uh, J2OutdoorsLLC.com. You can get you one. They've also got a stimulus sale going on right now. Five fifty. Get Ship. you one of these ice rippers. I think that's right to your door. Shipping tax, everything, I believe. That's a hundred bucks off. Said it's going to be one of the best sales that they're going to do all year. So, if I was you, I'd jump all over it. J2OutdoorsLLC.com. Last but not least, my favorite sponsor that we got, William and Chris Wines. Don't let the quarantine blues get to you. Have you a nice bottle of Skeleton Key or any other type of wine. Uh, all Texas made. It's delicious. They can also ship to your door if you look them up, williamandchriswines.com. All made there in high Texas. You can find them at Central Food. No, I fuck this up every time. Whole Food, Central Markets, all the fancy little restaurants, not Walmart, okay? You got to go to a high-dollar high dollar supermarket to find these things. But great wine pairs good with pretty much any occasion. Williamandchriswines.com. Also, look them up on Facebook because they do uh, virtual wine tasting. I think like once a week, twice a week. It's a lot of fun to watch if you're a wine guy. Uh, that is all of the sponsors. We made it through. Okay, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by a Wisconsinite, Corey Kimnitz. He hunts the great Mississippi River. Sounds like he's got a hell of a setup. Spends the night out in the river. Where's the ducks out the next day? Hell of a time, it sounds like. Hell of a time. Fella Cheesehead. Go, Pat, go. Uh, we appreciate him coming on. Here he is, Corey Kimnitz. Here we go. Three, two, one. Boom. And welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Lucky Duck. This is Jeff Stanfield. And this is Andy Shaver, the talent of the show. That's very, very debatable. You know, I debated all night last night about with two cheese dicks over fucking Dak Prescott last night. Oh. Well, speaking of cheese dick, we got a cheese head, Mr. Corey Kimnitz from the great state of Wisconsin. How are you, Corey? Good. Good morning, guys. How are you guys all doing? Doing great. How's uh? What do you think of the Packers' schedule? Oh man, it's it's going to be a rough run. I think. I think we're going to have some ups and downs, but I think we'll 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 work it out. It'll be all right. I don't think it'll be thirteen and three again. Uh yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm hoping it's going to be that, but I don't <laughs> think that's going to be our case this year. So <clears throat> you're not a Viking fan, I'm guessing. Fuck no, fuck no. In college, <laughs> I grew up, in college, I had one other roommate I was from over by Green Bay, and then two guys that lived in, in Rochester area, and it was all the time between us, fighting and debating, and yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of angry Monday night games and Sunday night games <laughs> where someone's drunk and yelling at each other and kicking somebody out, and it was good. <laughs> I argued with two peckerheads last night, Trevor and Jacob, about... Dak Prescott, and neither one of them live in fucking Texas, and they were on my ass about how great he is and the Cowboys, and he's a top-five quarterback and blah, 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 blah. Stats-wise, maybe. He's won one playoff game. You ain't a – I mean, stats, said stats Oh, wise. he's a great fantasy quarterback. Yeah. Fantasy quarterback, he's a top-five for sure. For yards and touchdowns. But to win a football game, yeah. a big game, he hadn't done it yet. And I told him, I said, when he wins a big game, I'll give it to you. Well, you just hate him. You don't like him. I, as a person, I think he's a great guy. I really do. I'm just not a Cowboy fan. You know, I didn't like Emmett Smith. He might be, he's one of the, well, he, here's another one. He's never listed as one of the top five running backs of all time, and he's all-time leading rusher. 
Nobody right. ever thinks of right. him as one of the best running backs ever because he had that great offensive line. I think Dak Prescott's in the same boat. Great offensive line forever. Good tools around him, but it can't win a big one. So until he wins a big one, I ain't changing my thoughts. <laughs> but anyways, God dang it, it was like arguing with my wife and just kept going. I'd try to get off and they'd suck me back in. <laughs> yeah, they just keep sucking you right back in. Oh, <laughs> just and boy, they did too. I just couldn't do it. And then I was telling Michelle about it. She goes, "Do you think I really care?" I go, no. She goes, you talk about me chattering about stuff. She goes, Jeff, I don't care. It's May. Okay, that's good. All right. Let's- Hold on. Do you think this is Rogers? Uh, you think this is kind of the farewell? Do you think this is the end of Rogers in Green Bay? No, fuck no. You no, don't? he's here for a long. I think he's here for another, uh, I'd say, three to five. I agree with my you. Shot. Three to five more years. I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I think so, too. I think that it's an insurance policy. And the, the, the kid don't even know if they can play football. They're going to train him for three years. I think they're going to take the same playbook they took with Aaron with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre to this kid. And this kid may not be it. They may they thought Brett Hundley was going to be it. He wasn't. This kid may be down the road, and they'll draft somebody else. Exactly. And that's what I was looking at, too. For how many years they've been trying to pull quarterbacks from here and there and drafting one a couple rounds later, and then they, they don't pan out even as a backup. So. Yeah. If he's not it, they sure wasted a prime chance to get some help for Rodgers. I, I still think yeah. they're going to try. I think they trade for Odell Beckham still before the season starts. And I think maybe, now once you brought that up, I started looking into that too. I'm like, you know what? Doesn't sound like a bad move. Could help him. Oh, that would be, be something a, quick that could really. That would be a big really boost for them. Good weapons. Yeah, he's a, he's a, and you know he didn't get no trouble last year. The, his no, teammates like him. He's a he's a player. I'm not comparing him to Michael Jordan, so before all the freaking critics start messaging me that. But he plays hard, just like yeah. Jordan did. And, you know. He's he too emotional, though. Jordan was fucking well, cool he, as ice. You no, know, he's not like that part. I'm just talking about he, 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 he play, his play his teammates like him. Yeah. You know, he, some don't probably, but he's a winner. I mean, he, he on the field, he hasn't won a Super Bowl now, but he's a damn good football player. And, right. and he's just okay. a, he's a competitor, so. He would be a big help for them. It's not like Antonio Brown, which causes a lot of dissension in the locker room. I don't think Godell Beckham causes a lot of problems. Right, right. I talk to my kids. I coach football and same kind of thing. I'm like, hey, you guys just got to find that right character. Look up to the one who's cleaning it up, staying on the right track and doing that kind of thing. Not the Antonio Brown who's throwing everybody over <laughs> and making it just a big show about him. Yeah. How, how old are the kids you're coaching? I coach middle school football, so 7th and 8th grade. Can you get? So I'm a middle school teacher. Can you really crawl in their ass, like you little bastard? Don't do that shit, or you have to. No. I think the worst thing I ever told a kid was, uh, "You move as slow as my grandmother's ass." <laughs> and then I paused. He looked at me, and then I said, "And she's dead. Get your ass moving." <laughs> so uh... I mean, I get in their face. I throw in a few shoes. <laughs> I had a. I had a guy that hunted with me every year, and he was, he was a real kind of manly man guy, good guy. And he was he was talking about his son playing football, and he goes, yeah, but he said, we, we ain't doing that shit no more. He said, we're fixing to go to court over that. And I'm like, well, what happened? And it, and it wasn't over court, but it was basically that's what he said. He said, that son of a bitch, he grabbed my kid by the face mask. I ain't putting hands on my kid, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, wow, that was the norm when I was a kid. I mean, you didn't even have to do nothing. But if your face mask was the closest to Coach Tyler, he'd grab your face mask while he was chewing on somebody else's ass. And nobody thought oh, yeah. nothing. No, that was just life. But they've they've I made got, it so hard for for I, I I'd have a hard time being a teacher or coach these days. I, I love it. I love it. I got my start coaching with a guy who's coaching for about fifteen years. He's retired off the railroad, and he would chew kids' asses. <laughs> and I learned from him, and the parents respected it and accepted it. Like, if you're going to play football, this is what it is. You got to be able to take some criticism from whoever it is, whether we're in your face yelling. Or whether we're just giving you that pat on the back and say, hey, next time you get it. But you got to get to know every one of your kids. I mean, some kids you can really chew on before they lose it. And there's other kids, you say, what the hell are you thinking? And then they go sit in the corner and cry for an hour. Yeah. So getting to know your athlete, uh, we can get in the face, we can grab that face mask and really yell at. It's a good time, though. Yeah, kids are uh, – that age is a fun age because everything's kind of starting to come together for the kids. They're starting to, uh, you know, they've left childhood and they're kind of entering into this, I wouldn't say manhood, but teenage years. Uh, seventh and eighth grade is a fun time. That's what I, that's what I got. 
my degree in is uh, junior high, and I love it. I, I, you know, I really enjoyed the kids. I just the politics of it, I couldn't do. So you, you, Andy now could I'm not doing coach. This. And Andy, you you wouldn't have been a good coach because you're too hard. Well, I expect a lot. I expect a lot, but I expect a lot out of myself too. Like I, you know, I I don't have a, uh, you know, I don't expect any more out of somebody else than I would expect for myself. So, you know, I I, uh, I want things to be right. Andy would have been a per- Andy would have been a perfect coach about 1973. Hard, hard. <laughs> but Andy's hard. He'd be a good coach, but the parents wouldn't like him because. He would he would be a disciplinary he'd be on their ass because he didn't dick around a lot when he was in school Andy was real boring actually when he was growing up compared yeah, to his, compared yeah. to his brothers but Andy was I mean very structured and expected to be in the weight room and do everything and kids today just I don't it's hard for y'all to get that out of kids today what they could twenty years ago y'all got so many distractions for them yeah and I actually I switched schools where I was at before and I was in a I called there a little slice of Chicago or a little slice of Illinois where I was teaching at before. <laughs> And that was a big issue. We couldn't get our kids to put in the work. Yeah. The off-season work. So I moved to a little bit more of a small rural town, started teaching up here, and had a bunch of farm kids. Well, they know work. Yes. And they're not they're not willing to sit in the weight room and then go home and bail hay and do whatever they got to do after they get done with working out in the mornings. You can't a whole different breed kids. of kids. Yeah. Those those farm boys, they're uh they're a different they're a different breed of cat. Do y'all do you ha- do y'all have lacrosse where you're at? <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, no. No. I know nothing we're, about we're lacrosse. Too, nothing. Neither do I. It's, we're too small of a community where we're at. I mean, where I teach at, I think our, between the three towns we combined, we're almost 8,000 people. Is lacrosse a sport that competes at the same time as football, or do they play it at different times of year? That's a East Coast sport anyway. It, it is? I, I thought so. it was upper Midwest, too. No, I think it's East Coast. Yeah, do y'all have lacrosse in Minnesota or Wisconsin? Like anywhere, any school? Yeah, down by Madison. Madison, Milwaukee area, you hear about it. But but other than that, I think they go down and play into Illinois a little bit, play Chicago, some of the bigger city teams, bigger, bigger city schools that don't have the kids that can play football or they got to make cuts. Yeah. So they do play it in the fall. That's a fall-time sport? Uh, I couldn't tell you whether it was fall or spring. I just know that they do. I know they play it in Dallas. A couple of the private institutes there play it. Maybe it is a spring sport. I don't know much about it. I just that's what I was curious. I wondered if the kids that played football were good lacrosse players. I know Jim Brown, the greatest, one of the greatest players ever in the NFL. He was an All American lacrosse player. So. Really? Uh-huh. But I don't know. I've tried to watch it on TV. It looks like it. I don't know. It's like I guess kind of rugby field with hockey the... kind of shit. I don't. But I don't know nothing about it. But it seems to be a manly sport. I don't know. Yeah. I mean that's what it is. All right, let's talk, let's talk a bit of waterfowl hunting. <clears throat> you hunt? All right. Do you hunt on the you hunt on the Mississippi River? Yep, yep. So I yeah I get out on the Mississippi River. I hunt from basically pools five all the way down to about pool ten. So that's mm, driving wise probably two hours up and down the river Shoot. in a truck. Wow. Now when you say pool, what does that mean? There, there's just different sections so, of the river. Yep, yep. That's from dam to dam. So, for example, from La Crosse, the city of La Crosse, down to the next dam, is it's got to be probably 15, 20 miles, mm-hmm. and that's Pool 7. And the next one down is Pool 8, and they just number them all the way down the Mississippi River. How, how do they <clears> – <throat> this is going to sound absolutely stupid, but I didn't realize the Mississippi River had any dams on it. Did you, Andy? No. How, how big of dams oh, yeah. are these? Ah, uh, shit. They got to be problems. Well, they vary from area to area, but like the one right by my house got to be, I don't know, three, four hundred yards long. So the river's not a half mile wide where you're at then? No, no. I'm in a skinnier part of the river right where I'm living, but that's what I'm looking for. When I'm if, when I'm hunting, I'm going north and south looking for the wide part of the river. So the, Why the wide So part? the river's wider north of you then? Um, Some areas <clears> north, <throat> some areas to the south. The further south you go, the wider it gets. Then you get more like the marshy, flooded timber kind of things. Um, you get some big open waters where you're getting like your big divers, your canvas backs, all that kind of thing. So why are you looking for the wider part of the river? Is there just more more habitat for the ducks? Yeah, they tend to hold more birds. You got more feed and just more areas to hide. I see. So the fur- the further you can get away from people, obviously, the better you're going to do. Just like any other public land you're on, and. 
I mean, I put in hours and hours every summer just riding the river, trying to find little cuts and little passages. And I mean, last year I got into a spot when it's high water, so maybe the river's at 12 feet. You can drive your boat right into it. But now if the river's down around six, seven feet, you try to get in that same cut and it's gone. You can't get in there because there's no water. Now, what, what, what town are you in? What were you hunting at along the river? Because I'm looking at it on the map right now. <clears throat> okay, so I live in Trempeleau, Wisconsin, which is about half an hour north of La Crosse. Okay. And then there's this big area called Bryce's Prairie. And it's basically a big flooded timber marshy area that was created when they put in the dams. Uh, all right, I've been to La Crosse. La Crosse has a college there, right? Oh, they got three of them, buddy. What What are they? Uh, UW Lacrosse, the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, the Turbo, and then there's a technical college, Western Technical School. Then I've been to Winona. Then what college is in Winona? Um, Winona State University. That's and that, then there's also a St. Mary's University. Th- that's where I've been to. I've been to Winona. Okay, so the river at Lacrosse is not at Winona. The river was I, I don't know. It was pretty wide there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wide. I hunt up in there a little bit. But I tend to go south because it gets even wider. How wide is it across where you hunt at the widest point? Oh, that's hard to say. It's, it's got to be over a mile. Really? Yep. Some spots are too. I mean, it's all just a bunch of chains and, and creeks and rivers that all combine into one. So you may head down this one flue off the river and then make a turn and you're going up maybe a mile or two up this creek that opens up to this other marsh in wisconsin as long as you're in the water you can legally hunt it mm-hmm. once you get out of your boat and step your foot on dry land then you're trespassing right how, how deep's the water there <clears throat> <laughs> uh some spots out in the main channel like when we're diver hunting we're only probably two three hundred yards off the main channel of the river and some of those spots can be 30 40 feet deep um we're typically hunting in the one we're diver hunting, probably four to 12 feet of water. Now, can you hunt sandbars and stuff? <clears throat> you bet, buddy. That's that's a big part of what we do. We're looking for sandbars and islands and stuff to get on. And then we're running our diver rigs for, for canvas backs throughout the month of November. Now, is that public land? The, the, the islands are public land, though, right? Yep. They're owned by the, the I think it's the Upper Mississippi Refuge. <clears throat> Like, does it have to be in the middle? Does it have to be an island in the surrounded by water, or how do you get a how do you get by like the land? All islands are surrounded by water. No, no, no. Like a sandbar, though. Like a sandbar on the edge. Would that be considered somebody else's property? No, because because when it's coming, you don't typically hunt a sandbar coming right off the shoreline. So there's not a line of houses and then a sandbar you're hunting on. You're getting out into the river system and then there's sandbars and islands all over the place. And so when I'm early goose season, when I'm scouting the river for geese, they're typically loafed up on a sandbar somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there's just a sandbar hanging out in the middle of the river. They have bass fishing tournaments out here all summer. And these guys in these great uh, $50,000 bass boats are racing around and all of a sudden they'll just smoke a sandbar and get their boat stuck on it. <laughs> Cause they're, they're there one year, and then they're not the next year. Really? Yeah, my wife and I, we were, she was, I shouldn't say we, I didn't carry a baby. She was seven <laughs> and a half months pregnant. <laughs> and I was out scouting for docks in August, looking for spots, and sure as shit, there was a sandbar that wasn't there about six weeks earlier. What? And the and water we going got, Well, if the water floods, it moves all the sand around, and then it brings it back down because your currents change and your directions change your flow. And so every time the river goes up, it changes. I mean, you got trees that float into spots. You got shit going all over in the river, <laughs> and so you're always kind of keeping an eye on. It. But yeah, we we got stuck on a sandbar, and it's more of like a silty sandbar. So you get out and you sink up to your knees oh. in just this shitty sandy silt. Oh no! Yeah, she's pregnant. She's like, oh, I'll get out and push her. I'm like, yeah, no, right. no, no. We are not having a baby on this river, sweetie. No, get your butt back <laughs> no. in the boat. We we are not going into labor out here. How, so what do you do? No. You just heave and hoe it until you get till you get free. Yep, yep. Just keep pushing. <laughs> Sometimes you can. If I know I'm going to put in some risk and gonna see where I can really get to, I'll bring a come along with me. Yeah. Or like some of the big fancy boats, guys got winches mounted right on the front of their boat. 
because they're going to get stuck. <laughs> it's just the nature of the game out here. <laughs> uh, it comes to an abrupt stop, I bet. You don't want to be going too fast, though. Just fucking launch you right over the boat. You- uh, yeah, yeah. you learned to wear your kill switch pretty quick. <laughs> Does this sound fun any to you? Any of this? Uh, this this sounds better than the than like the Great Lake Hunter. I could do the river, cause like, hey, if we're on a uh, sandbar, I'm at least touching ground. Might go up to my knees and shit, but we're we're at least yeah. on some land. Yep, yep, I'm with you. Putting my 250 pound, 300 pound ass in a boat and let it rock around on the Great Lakes does no. not sound real uh, safe to me. No, no, we're not doing that. Um. So, what? Uh, where do you put in your boat at? There's there's public launches all over up and down the river. So it's not hard to find a, a launch to, like if you're hunting Pool Seven, they got a ton of different boat launches that you can put in at. Yeah, almost every city on the river has got their own public launch that you just got to pay at. You uh, so like I go ahead. I got my favorite couple that I always hit. And so I'll go buy a year pass at their at their city hall and just put it in my truck and and away I go. So I can pull up to the landing at nine o'clock the night before, put my boat in and away I go. Or I could show up and I don't have to think around all filling out flips or paying money in the morning. That that area so you you've been in that thing when that that river gets pretty rough because the armistice day storm this is where all they died. But in this area he's Yes, hunting. sir. Is where fifty people died out of one hundred and fifty. Really? Is that little area between Winona and Lacrosse? So, have you been on? Yeah. The, have you been? The, in, have the you one been area a, that I. What? I'm sorry, guys. No, go ahead. The one area I hunt actually had some shelters for hunters, so they took calf hutches and they stash like dry kindling, matches, and stuff inside of it in case shit hits the fan. At least you got a spot to go hide and get some shelter. This was after Armistice Day. Yeah, yeah, it's there right now. Right now, you can jump in the boat, drive down there, and you can see these calf hutches on the island. Now, what are they and called? Are like, calf hutches. Calf hutches, like you raise baby calves in. Okay, okay, okay. I know what you're talking about now. Yep. yep, and they just have those out there, and you can huddle two or three guys in them if you had to. How far? How far apart are they? Like, say you're with, you know, a big group of guys, six guys. How far would you have to go to get shelter for everybody? Are they a mile apart, two miles apart, or do they all vary? Oh, just in that one area, they're probably mm, a mile or two. But it's a it's a system of islands that you have to know the cuts and the turns to get through. Oh, right. Joe so, Schmo, if, I mean, if if he's not out on the river and knows these places, you know, he still might have a hard yeah. time. They they said I watched a lot of guys real early try to get to a spot and get buried on a sandbar because they just they're not on the river enough to know the system. Yeah, they said that it had five foot waves on the Mississippi that day. I would believe it. I've been in some rough shit that that has made my butthole pucker. <laughs> that I, uh, it wasn't even close to that. My old man and I were out one time, and we were. It was early. It was probably between midnight and two a.m. God Almighty! And we were headed. We were headed to an island, and my motor the week before had problems, and so I got it fixed. We're going across this big open area. It's probably, I don't know, five, six hundred yards to the closest island. We're going across and we lost power. Get the motor started. Well, we got it started at the wrong time. And my dad and I are not small guys. We're both easily 300 pounds. He's sitting up in front, and the front of the boat did not go up when we hit the wave, and the wave came over the top of the boat. And we're talking like, you know, a 15 foot John boat with just a 23 horse go devil. I can't, and we and we filled that boat right up with water. We had decoys floating inside our boat. I just can't imagine doing that. So you said it was between midnight and two a.m. Yep. What fucking another person? What fucking time does the sun come up there? God (laughs) Almighty! Oh well, we've gotten smarter. We don't go out at midnight anymore. (laughs) We just go. I'll get out of work. I'll get done teaching at four o'clock on a Friday. I'll go hook onto my boat right away, throw everything in the boat, and I just go sleep where I want to hunt. In, that, the, in the boat. That's getting smarter? And, yeah, because you can sleep all night then. You can you can go to bed at 9 o'clock, and you don't have to wake up till 4 o'clock. What, four, how many decoys y'all putting at? What time shooting time? Is like 6.30? Yeah, 6.30, 7 o'clock. And we're running. When we're diver hunting, we're doing this shit sleeping on islands. 
we're running 10 to 12 dozen floaters. It takes you three hours to put out duck decoys? They're losing Oh, no, no. You, in the state of Wisconsin, you can't set a decoy until an hour before shooting light. Okay, my times are really confused <laughs> then. So you can't put a decoy out until 5.30. He gets up, has yep. breakfast. I'm sure you're cooking breakfast, getting the day started. We yep. Not everybody yep. just jumps out of bed and hits the ground running, Jeff. Some people take a little bit of time to prepare. I need to take my morning shit if I was out there. You got to do that. Yep, yep. We got toilet paper, and you find a good tree. So I'm with you. So, so are y'all, you, this boat you have, I guess y'all have got a nice cozy quarters to sleep in, or are you sleeping on the island? Um, it varies. We lost a boat one year because one guy got out and slept on the island. <laughs> fucking floated away. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Freaking, yep, 18-foot go-devil boat. <laughs> so I got a, I got another buddy that we rotate with. So I'll do it one weekend. He sleeps out there the next weekend. That's our system, and it works pretty well. So I hit the boat launch, 4 or 5 a.m., whatever it is, and I'm getting call after call after call, and it's only a 15-minute run to where we're hunting. And finally, I just stopped, and I pick up my horn. He's like, dude, I lost my boat. It's gone. It's gone. I'm like, what the hell do you mean your boat's gone? Somebody stole it. And he's like, yeah, it's gone. No, it's not. I said, you're bullshitting me. I said, I'll be there in, in like five minutes. I said, we'll start looking. Legit, my boat is missing. I said, it's an 18-foot go devil. How's the boat just go missing? I don't know. And his brother's in the background. My gun's in the boat. We got to find the boat. <laughs> I pull up to the island. And what happened was, is the shorelines were a little icy. He pulled his boat up onto the ice quite a ways out, or quite a ways up. I'd probably say four or five feet out of the water, but it was up on the ice. Well, when these big barges come by that are hauling grains and corn and whatever, coal, the water level around you will actually go up eight, ten inches. Mm-hmm. And what happened when the water came up, it pushed the boat up and it slid off the ice and out into the river. And his boat was about 300 yards down, caught in a patch of wild rice. But y'all did find it. But, yeah, yeah. So on the ride out, I was shining with my spotlight and looking and looking and looking at all these patches. And sure as shit, there it was. Well, I didn't say a word to the guy. We knew where it was. Mm-hmm. We get up to the island. I'm like, dude, I don't know where your boat is. I didn't see anything. <laughs> well, you were down river. I said, yeah, I was down river. I don't think there's any boat. I said, I think it went through the dam. <laughs> oh, fuck. no no i can't call my dad and tell tell my dad his boat went through the dam <laughs> you better start thinking about it buddy because it's gone <laughs> and he it can't be you can't be and he's just freaking out i said oh no it's right over there it's 300 yards away i hit it with the spotlight and you could see the the reflecting light on it <laughs> oh was he pissed <laughs> the best part was though the dumbass he had two anchors in his boat he just chose not to put the anchors out. He figured, oh, it's fine, just sign up on shore. So I guess y'all's maritime salvage laws are different than they are in the ocean where whoever found that boat would have been theirs. I I don't even know what the laws are on that, but if that would have been the case, I would have jumped in that boat and put it on my own trailer and digging it all. It's a lot nicer than what I'm riding around here. So. <laughs> Can you imagine getting up out of your sleeping bag or whatever, tent or whatever the hell you did, get up there and go to get, get the boat to get something like Oh, fuck. Where the fuck is it? We ain't having breakfast today, guys. The boat's gone. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, he was shitting his pants. That was, that was not good. Did y'all at least have a good hunt that day? I'm sure we shot some birds. I don't even remember. All I remember is that and just the bullshit and the shit we gave him for weeks. <laughs> I bet he puts the anchor out from now on. Yeah, yeah. It's I text him. When it's his turn to sleep, I say, hey, bud, you got an extra anchor today? Make sure you put it out. <laughs> this has been probably three years ago. Poor bastard. You know what, though? I, I I will have to say this. The, what y'all doing seems like it would be a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I'm jealous of the guys that just get a hunt for hunting anymore. You know, it's not a business. You know, yeah. Results don't matter. I mean, you're in it to enjoy the sport. And I could see we're having a, you know, throwing a tent up where you're comfortable and warm, making you breakfast. And that'd make it a good experience. Be fun. Oh, yeah. It's, we have a blast. It's a bunch of bullshitting. And you line up six guys or seven guys around you, and you're just giving people shit for missing birds. And it, it's a good time. And I, I do a lot of the coordinating of everything because I live over here. But my dad and my sister, they get out of work on Friday afternoon. They'll drive over here. They sleep in our house. 
uh, I basically run a duck camp out of my house with different friends and stuff all season long, just crashing in our basement and having a good old time. How, uh, what's the coldest night that you've had to spend out on the river? Mm, every single digits. It was pretty chilly. I'd say that. It was, it was pretty chilly. What we do is, um, a lot of our boats have the flip over like beaver tail blinds. Yep. And so you can seal them, seal them up kind of like a tent, and then you turn on a Mr. Buddy heater. Um, we all got two-person sleeping bags, so you and the dog curl up inside the sleeping bag, zip it up, and go to sleep. See, that's not too bad, but I don't think I could do that with Luke. Fuck no, I'd be miserable. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> he'd start licking well, me. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, this year my, I got a male, and he's not sick, and I woke up to him just giving her to the sleeping bag. <laughs> I'm like, get the fuck out of the boat. It's 2 in the morning, and he is just humping like hell. Like, fuck, <laughs> this is not cool. Get your ass out of the boat. Yeah, when, that, find a stump or something. when that old fucking slimy red rocket touches your arm. Oh, God damn. All games are over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're awake pretty quick when all of a sudden you can feel it thumping on your leg. God damn it. Get the hell out. Uh, how old is your dog? He's four. He's four, so. He's in his prime. He, he does our... Well, sort of. So he's got arthritis. At nine months old, we figured out he had arthritis in his back knees. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So we got to kind of keep an eye on him, and, and he's doing well, though. What, For uh, a weekend hunter, he does well. What do you have him on? Do you have him on uh, any arthritis medicine? Yeah, he's on Glide for his everyday supplement for the knees, and then he's running... Uh, we've tried a couple different ones, but our latest one that he's running is right here, Prevacox. Okay. So. So how did you, re- how did, at nine months old, what was he doing that made you even suspicious? Well, we, it was January around here. My wife took him on a walk and came home, put him in his crate. She got in the shower, let him out of the crate, and he was limping and wouldn't even put the one leg down. I thought, oh, shit, he tore an ACL or something. Mm-hmm. Took him to the vet. We ran a bunch of x-rays on him, and, uh, yeah. And they're like, no, that's someone bone-on-bone bone on his back left knee. Jeez. And then you got the, you could see the x-ray of the pelvis, and the pelvis was all chipped, and it, it was, yeah, something was up pretty early. We knew pretty quick that something wasn't right, so. It, 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 I mean, is it, is it is it his hips or anything like that? Are they all good? Yeah, the hips seem fine. It's just in the knees. You can see in the knees, and you can tell on our on our hard days. I mean, when he's uh, when we go to the North Dakota and he's doing a lot of land running. Yeah. After day two or three, you can tell he's he's feeling it. So you got to make sure he's getting his pain pills and he's getting some good rest. He's sleeping where it's warm. He does pretty well. But uh, water hunting that that's quite a bit easier on him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't notice it near as much when we're running him on water. What, uh, how, how fast is that? How fast is the river running? Well, they have a measurement for the flow, but no one can understand it unless you like work the river and live on the river and do that all the time. Mm-hmm. But my dog has learned to play the current. So when they go out and he runs a retrieve, he knows to play the current to come back to an island. So he'll cheat the island and he'll run islands back up to you because he just, he's like, I'm not going to fight the current. Right. Six months old, he's retrieving birds out of the main channel in the Mississippi. And so he's been doing it his whole life, and he's just learned to run the current and make sure he plays the game smart. And we've had to jump in boats to go get dogs that just are chasing cripples and won't give it up. <laughs> yeah, nothing's worse than grabbing an 80-pound lab, stopping wet when it's freezing out and trying to throw his fat ass back in the boat. Yeah. No, I can imagine well, having to bend over and pull his big ass up. <laughs> what do, you, do y'all have? Time, though. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, Jeff. Do y'all have do you have an issue with people like y'all sleep the night before? I'm assuming you do that, but so your your spot nobody else comes to. Do do y'all hunt the same sandbars all the time and guys kind of just have their own areas they hunt, or you have to worry about some dickwad coming in and setting up right next to you? You 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 got it right on the head. You gotta worry about some dickwad pulling in at an hour before shooting light and trying to hunt right next to you. So we got a we got a couple different tricks. We'll run. I mean, we're running six guys, so a lot of times we have two or three boats. We'll space our boats apart, and then we'll hunt in the middle of the boat, so that we just keep people away from you. Um, yeah, we go out the night before to hold our spot. We had a couple spots that 
there's just no islands around you for a couple hundred yards. So when you're running canvas backs and bluebells and things like that, when they're making their big, long, outward sweeps, you don't have people pass you. They're right. just crossing over open water, and then they're coming in or coming right by. So that's our big push to get our certain spots that we really like. Um, I got a few other spots when it's just my dad and I going out that I'm not worried. We're not worried about shooting a bunch of birds. We're hoping, hey, if we get two or three ducks and just have a good slow morning together, I got a few of those spots too. So, but like this year, our best our best hunt this year we had on one of our favorite spots that we sleep on. We shot uh, what was it a five man limit Saturday, and then we came back Sunday. Nobody left. Well, every everybody left except for one guy. And then he spent the rest of the day until Sunday morning when they came back. Poor bastard. And then they hunted. So everybody so, left except for one guy. What time does everybody yep. leave? Uh, that day, everybody was gone by about 2.30 in the, the afternoon. Poor schmuck has to sit there the rest of the day. Is he a married guy? Uh, most of us are married. He was happiest of all so, of them. <laughs> <laughs> we we get, we got a pretty strict point system. We had, we adhere to with our wives. We make sure we do everything possible. So when October November rolls around, there's no questioning that we're going. That's what it is. <laughs> How does that work? Because my wife, that system's never worked with her on anything. It, it varies. My wife knows that this is important to me. When we were dating, and we made it through our first first duck hunting season, at the end of the season, I gave her a bouquet of flowers and a thank you card. <laughs> or maybe it's a congratulations card that said congratulations you made it through your first duck season the first of many more that's a, you know what that's a key i tell guys that all the time listen if you want to do shit when you get married you got to do it while you're dating you got to set the bar right then you know go do shit you normally wouldn't even do just think down the road 20 years from now you know uh, 20 years from now i'm gonna want to go play poker every wednesday and start doing something like yep. that because you can't spring it on them once you once they get that once it, once it's settled that ring's given you they, you can't change the rules then so th- exactly that that was a good move on your part on that deal but i always I, I wondered about how that all worked with people jumping in and see i, f- I think it I, f- I thought it would be different up there because waterfowl hunting is more of a tradition there than it is in the south and people in southern yeah. louisiana and stuff are gonna be like bullshit in some most areas now not all areas but like where we are in west texas there's not a lot of waterfowl hunters Mm-mm. And so the, the new waterfowl hunters we see are young people, and they didn't get ra- they they weren't raised waterfowl hunting. But like in y'all's area, y'all been waterfowl hunting for a hundred years. So yeah. I would figure the yeah, respect my- for other hunters would have been passed down, like it was passed down to you by your grandfather and your dad. No, we we still got to deal with the same that same kind of shit where you got the young guys rolling in, you got the parties of of six to ten. I don't know, I'd say 17 to 25-year-olds just just out there to have a good time, but then they're fucking other people. Yeah. We we got to deal with that same shit, but, like, yeah, I grew up hunting with my dad, and my dad took me every weekend, and and we didn't we didn't hunt out of boats. We did a lot of walk-in public hunting on different marshes and ponds, and my dad was a bow hunter before I turned 12. Then he took me on a youth hunt, and that sealed the deal. I loved it. Loved it ever since. Now, growing up, we used to shoot geese all the time. That was our big thing growing up. In the fields or on the Mississippi? Uh, in the fields. So I grew up on the east side of Wisconsin, so about an hour south of Green Bay, in a lot of the farmland, flatlandish areas. And we would get goose tags. You'd get six tags a year for geese. When I started, I think it was only four. And, and so you'd hunt two weekends or one weekend, and you'd be done with your geese. Because yeah. you could only shoot two a day. Wow. Four geese all year. Four geese all year, yep. And now... Yep. And they'd be everywhere. Really? Yep. So why such yep. the low limit? Why do they set the bar so low? Is it well, not a... Well, there was a sus- called the Horicon Zone that was just heavily, heavily pressured. This great big marsh, pit blinds all around it. And yeah. People were lacing up fields, and, and it just became a huge attraction for people to come and go goose hunting. So you'd get your your four or six tags per year, whatever it was, and you only had like six weeks to hunt them, too. You could either pick an early zone or a late zone, and it didn't take shit to shoot your geese. So we started duck hunting more because you had more time to go, more opportunities to go. 
So basically, so it was just a, a pressure decision more than anything. You got plenty of birds, you got plenty of geese around, but it was just a pressure decision. I think so. I think so because now they've done away with it. Now that zone's completely gone, and now you can shoot. I think it's three geese a day over there, and it's it's off season long. Is it three geese over there? I think it's three. After early season, so you get your early goose season, you can shoot five. And then I think it goes down to three, but it might be two. I, I haven't goose hunted over there in a couple of years. What uh, so. what kind of fields would y'all hunt? Was it all cornfields over there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're you're looking for those those freshly picked sweet cornfields. Those are a good target or just the freshly picked cornfields. I mean, we used to, I had a buddy, we didn't have layout blinds. We just built our own backboards and just threw some corn stalks and burlap over top. And we'd be picking up decoys at 830. 8 o'clock sometimes, and he had a blaze orange vest that he would wear, and geese would come right into that. <laughs> I mean, it was just stupid because it was just, you didn't, it, they managed the pressure by doing the tag system. So, now do you, yeah, a lot of cornfields. Do you have, uh, is the goose hunting as good on, on the west side of Wisconsin as it was on the east? I don't feel like it is because we don't have quite the crop fields. We got a lot of rolling hills and bluffs over here, and there's some farm fields in between. But you don't have, I feel like, the number of geese that you do over on the other side of the state. We see a lot more of the ducks because they're, they got the wild rice and the wild celery growing on the Mississippi that a lot of them don't even have to leave. Yeah. They so, can sit right on the river all day and eat. So when you're scouting, what are you looking for? Like, are you looking for where the big rafts of birds are and then a sandbar? Or do you just go to a sandbar and know that you're going to get constant... Uh, constant opportunity all day it's kind of become that i know where these certain areas are that i know birds are going to hold every year no matter what and then we try to target those spots um i'm always looking for new spots for earlier in the year to get away from people because mm-hmm. once the main areas that everybody's easy to get to with your outboard um those spots get pounded out early in the morning and then the birds just push further away from the river so if you can get them some little creeks or little marshes then you're going to have shooting longer throughout the day. But I'm always looking for different spots. I'm always scouting, just like you guys. I'm putting miles up and down the river. My son knows the deal. He's he's going to be three here in August. I pick him up from daycare in the fall, and we're driving up and down the river. I got a few outlooks that I go check with binoculars. And if I see him there, okay. They're there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're going to hit there Saturday morning. And here's a couple islands I know that we can hunt. So you have your five islands that you should be able to get onto, and hopefully nobody is in your spot one or two. And if not, you just keep going to different ones and you go pawn the birds. Now, does everybody spend the night out there? Is that something that everybody does, or is it only a, a certain number of guys, certain number of groups? It's it's a certain number of crazies that just do that kind of stuff. It's not everybody, thank goodness. <laughs> I'm not into that party. <laughs> I think it sounds pretty damn cool, and you know, but to be a 20 to 25 years old, at 52 or 53, I'd be like, eh, do you have a Hilton close? Yeah, so my dad works third shift. He's done it for 30 years. And so he'll drive up Friday, he'll go to the spot, and he'll sleep there. And my dad's 56, and he'll sleep in his boat, and we'll come out then Saturday morning. And then his deal is, is I don't care what you do the rest of the weekend, but I'm done. I took my turn. <laughs> and so he'll do that for us. And he, it doesn't bother him because he's used to being up all night. But... He was out there one time, and he shut his cell phone off. Cause he's like, I'm going to sleep. The hell is it? I'm shutting this thing off. Well, the local sheriff stopped into the boat launch, and he was the only truck and trailer there. No one could see any boat. Everybody was kind of freaking out. So they run my dad's license plate, call my mom, who lives three hours on the other side of the state. Um, do you know uh, what this truck and trailer is doing at this boat launch at this time in the morning? I, I had assumed he's duck hunting, but I don't know. And... <laughs> Just sent my mom into a tizzy. She is a full-on warrior, and she is freaking out. I'm getting phone calls, and I'm trying to sleep. It's 1 in the morning. And I'm like, yeah, he's in a hunting spot. Don't worry about him, Mom. Well, the sheriff's calling. They're wondering if he's missing or dead on the river. I don't think so. He's just <laughs> sleeping somewhere. <laughs> oh, shit. What's, uh, what's the craziest thing that you've seen out there in your nights on the, on the Mississippi? Uh, I'd have to say having huge rafts of bluebills almost run into your boat when you're driving out. I'm talking rafts of hundreds 
and you're driving and you got to slow down as you're going to run these birds over. <laughs> and they're just full on. Like I've had one fly right into the side of my boat driving out in the middle of the night. Nothing that makes your hair stand up whenever you're sitting out there on the sandbar? Nothing like that? No oh, big you can hear the coyotes. You can hear coyotes all night and they just, yeah, that, that'll make you, that'll wake you up a little bit. Makes the dog wake up and start barking back and howling back. Oh, that's the worst. But, so no Bigfoot stories? Yeah. I got no Bigfoot stories. That's a load of shit. <laughs> no Mississippi monster coming up and dragging you out of your sleeping bag or anything like that? There's no Loch Ness. No, no, none of that kind of shit. I mean, you hear the, you hear the raccoons digging around on the islands. You got to watch out for those. Those will come up and steal your donuts out of your boat. But other than that, I'm not too worried about what's going on out there. You see some nice deer on some of the islands, which is kind of cool. I think it's really cool. I think that's an interesting. I a lot of people are jealous. That's a really cool deal to be able to hunt there. And your dad's a very blessed man to get a hunt with you guys like that. Still and still get to go do it. And yeah, I just man, you, you're living the life. That's a, that's a that's a good. This is a good story right here. This is a lot of guys out there like man. That would be so fucking cool. So when you hunt the river, it's all divers, and then you try to find marshes and stuff. Is that do you run into puddlers on the on the marshes? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'll chase divers pretty much from end of October, from Halloween weekend after we get back from North Dakota throughout the rest of our season. I'm chasing golden eyes, canvasbacks, bluebills, bufflehead, whatever I can get my hands on diver-wise. From opening in September all the way through till that point, I'm chasing your mallards, your wood ducks, your widgeon, pintails, that kind of stuff on the river. And So it, it just varies, and you're just looking different areas. Like you said, the marshes, you're looking for your puddler. Once you switch later in the year, then you're looking for your divers. Unless we get a good freeze like we had this year, then you'll go back into some of your sloughs that have open water, and then you can go shoot some nice mallards. What, uh, any, any, any bands? How many bands do you get on the river? We have not shot a single freaking band. I have yet to kill a band. I've been hunting since I was 12, and I'm 29, and I have not shot a band yet. So That's crazy. I figured y'all yeah, kill some. We average. Go ahead. I mean, we average two to 250 birds a year we're shooting, and the one band I've ever heard about being shot was we were in North Dakota. My dog went to go get a swan to retrieve a swan, and he jumped in and cut his chest open. So I had to run him to the vet, and I get back, and they had a flock of geese come in to land, and my dad shot a banded goose while I was gone, (laughs) of course. See, I figured some of the big geese that you killed as a kid would, would have bands on them. Right? Right, but we never, I never connected on one of them or the group of guys, and we keep our group pretty small. I'm not hunting with a lot of guys. We have a few unwritten rules that if it shows up on social media, someone's getting their ass kicked. <laughs> like pile pictures if, or, or, or what, if what shows up? Yep. yep everybody's got, we got our own pile pictures that we take, but we don't post them anywhere. That's smart. We, we got our logbooks that we keep, and we put pictures in our logbooks, and we talk about them, and when we get together every year, the logbooks come out, and everybody's looking at pictures. And remember that year, remember that opening day, and that kind of shit. But we don't, we don't put it online. So y- 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 y'all kill, don't. y'all kill two hundred fifty birds a year. Our average on a banded bird is about a thousand birds per band, and it used to be for about us. for us. That's just us, and it used to be about seventy birds. That's how it's went up over the years. But you'd figure in you know in ten years, y'all are killing twenty five hundred birds. The odds are on you know, kill some banded birds. Maybe this is your, you just make up for everything. You kill six or seven this year. When it happens, it's going to go on the wall. I know that. Tell, tell I us don't about care what it is. Tell us about the swan hunting. <laughs> so we've done that a couple times now in North Dakota, and I've got a, a big ass swan mounted right in our living room. If you shot a big old elk, that's where you'd put it. We got nice big vaulted ceilings. Mm-hmm. Not in our house. I shot a swan, and that's where it went. But. Our first year out there, we all we all drew swan tags, so we're looking and scouting, and we found some on a sandbar, so we just went and basically jump shot them. We crawled, the belly crawled out, everybody picked a different one, and you shoot it just like a turkey. Aim for the head, and hopefully it tips over, and that's exactly what happened our first year. Stupid easy. They, they just had no idea we were there. And then the next year, I bought some swan decoys, because we get them all the time on the Mississippi River, but we can't hunt them. So we kind of use them as a confidence decoy for our diver, where these swans are going in, digging up the snails and whatever off the bottom, and then the divers are coming in and stealing their food. 
so we use them as a confidence decoy during our season, but out in North Dakota, we set them out and try to imitate the swan call with our mouth a little bit, and when they come over, we just try to pass shoot them. And that is like a freaking turkey being shot at 30 <laughs> yards. Just a big-ass cannonball. <laughs> do, you, do you have them landing your decoys in the Mississippi a lot? No, no. They When you got the mojos running, they'll come over, but it seems like they they kind of veer away when you got your mojos running. Or your lucky ducks, whatever you're running. They're a goofy-looking bird. Didn't you land some in the decoys here? Uh, in the wheat country, we did. They didn't land like, I mean, they land. They short-stopped about 50 yards, but yeah, we landed, a, I don't know, I can't remember how many it was. Two or three. Just set her down, right? And, and we were like telling the guy, like, these are not... These are not snow geese. <laughs> Do not fucking shoot. These are not snow geese. But it was cool to see I, them do that. I, speaking of these are not snow geese, I got a buddy who came over. And so growing up on the east side of the state, you don't see swans. And then all of a sudden you come over here and you see them. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll see the juveniles that are that grayish white, the real young ones. Mm-hmm. And we were standing up, flipped the blind down, and I was pissing off the back. And he's like, dude. It's a snow goose. It's a snow goose. And I yell, we don't have snow geese. That's a swan. <laughs> His gun was up, and he was ready to roll. <laughs> oh, boy. We do not need that kind of attention here. No, <laughs> yeah. got away. no, 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 no. no. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever put it away so fast and start yelling at somebody. <laughs> oh, Corey, you would have been a- pissed dribbling down my waiters. <laughs> yeah. Corey, you'd have been a good, t- you'd have been a fun teacher to have and a coach, I can guarantee you. <laughs> oh, we. Yeah, so I teach special ed, and my favorite kids are, are those kids that are telling you to fuck off and throwing things. <laughs> and we have, a, we have a good time. We so have a good time. You, when you say special ed, you're not talking about kids on the short bus. You're just talking about kids that are not very smart. And a lot of these kids are very smart, but they've had a rough upbringing. They're your, what, I mean, what a lot of people call your throwaway kids. Parents are either drug addicts or just shitty parents. Yeah, They're bad in the picture, and no one really kind of puts it to them. Like, no, shut up, sit down, this is what it is. Right. So those are the kids that I work with and I enjoy working with because they're the ones that don't have the dad. You can make so, a big difference in their lives. Yeah, I got a lot of kids that have never thought they had ever wrestle or play football. I said, no, you need it. You're going out for the sport. Well, who's going to get my physical? Shit, I'll call the doctor and line it up for you. I just got to get mom's permission. And so we do whatever it takes to get these kids out of the house more to see what normal is. Try and get them into that typical house or see what Jimmy and Susie have going on at home that you know what you could have, you just gotta make those choices. Yeah. That's that's the that's the real heartbreaker of this coronavirus is uh kids like that don't have anything. Little league sports, yeah. you know, a lot of kids looking forward to little league sports, little league baseball, get them out of the house. Um just there's no fucking positivity for these kids. And it doesn't take a whole lot of positivity to turn a kid's life around. And now these kids are just fucking starved for it. They're with mom who's in hung over all the time. And that's the, yep. that's the real heartbreaker of, uh, of this pandemic is it's taken the only, the only light that these kids have. And it's, it's gone. The only it's been structure. Go- it's been gone since basically February spring break. That's what yep. sucks. Yep. See, we don't have kids create structure. They want it. Yeah. We don't, we, we don't, don't have a lot of that here. Have a lot of what we, our kids in in a small town, we're, we us, me and you, we don't see all that because we live in such a small town. We've got some kids that need that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we're not exposed to it like in a bigger city where you've got yeah hundreds and hundreds of kids like that. We may have one or two kids, but I call them town kids. That if it wasn't for the town, they wouldn't do nothing because town pays for everything, does everything for them. Just yep. absentee parents. Well, the big cities are covered up with them, and they fall through the cracks. And right, and that's where I used to teach. It was a bigger city, I mean, and we were more of a suburb area of some of the bigger towns, so we had some rollover and some kids that are just transient move around all the time. And I was the case manager of 8 to 10 kids that I was their last stop in our school before we paid for a, an outside agency to teach them. And these are the kids that are fighting all the time, and parents are in drugs and whatnot, and you can't get a hold of parents. And, and that just got to be too much. I mean, you don't sleep at night when you're worried about all these other kids plus your own family. Yeah, so, it's a hard hard deal. I don't know how anybody's a social worker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I give them a lot of credit because oh. they get a lot of shit from a lot of people. 
Yeah, they're Mich- not doing their job, and I don't know how they do their job and what they do get done. Oh, uh, uh, Michelle come home one day, and she she just she went back to school, and um, a couple of years ago, and she's like, "Hey, I think I want to be a social worker." I said, "Bullshit on that crap. Mm-hmm. Fucking, we'll have fifteen, yeah. we'll have fifty seven fucking kids living with us. I ain't doing that crap." Because I got a big heart too, and I don't want, I, and I would have a hard time saying no. And I just thought, fuck, I know I'm nipping this in the bud real quick. <laughs> We're just not even going to put yeah. ourselves out there. For We're not doing one. that. Yep, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I've learned to say no pretty quick to a lot of different shit. And I mean, I've had kids, please, can I please live with you? No. Yeah. That's... But I'm your teacher, not not your parent. Well, you'd be such a fun parent, said bud. You don't think I'd be that fun, trust me. I said, you'd have rules, you'd have expectations. I got a three year old, and his job is to make sure he feeds that dog every morning. Make yeah. sure those dishes are put in the dishwasher before his ass leaves for daycare. I said, you're 14. Your life ain't going to be easy. You're going to have to earn your keep. Yeah. So and my my wife's a nurse and a mental health nurse, so she sees some of it, too. She sees some of the kids that I work with. And we got to carry over caseload, I call it. Well, and what would be difficult for me is if, say you did bring a kid in, and it just did not work, and then all of a sudden – six months later you got kicked that kid out like what would that do yep. to that kid like that would fuck the kid up maybe more than staying wherever he is yeah once you buy in you're in for good i mean you, you know goods. you know and there's no telling you know fucker might steal from you it might <laughs> i mean you know i mean i'm oh. just i'm speaking realistically you can that's right they will they, so they uh, push it as far as they can push it and they're going to take everything they can from you before you snap because they want to see where that breaking point is it's no different than being a teacher with them i got kids that steal shit out of my desk i've I don't put things in my desk. It all stays in my truck throughout the day. Yeah. We had, because I know shit's going to get stolen. We had a bunch of kids spend the night one night. Payne was the world's worst about, he, he, this is no shit. He called one night and he's like, uh, dad, where's mom? And that's always code word that don't want to talk, ask me. They want to ask their mom. So Michelle goes, what pain? <laughs> and I go, what is it? She goes, he wants to have somebody spend the night tonight. He's playing little league baseball or some shit. And we had kids all the time. I go, who, who who's staying the night? He goes, she goes, he wants to know if 13 of them can spend the night. I'm like, 13 fucking kids? <laughs> who the fuck asked their parents to have 13 kids spend the freaking night? And one of the kids was a little juvenile delinquent, I thought. And I told him when he came to the house, I said, listen, buddy, I want you to clap all night. Huh? I said, yeah, as long as you're clapping, I know you're not stealing shit. But, but yeah, 13 fucking kids. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Push you right to your oh, edge. Oh, shit, that's funny. Push you right to your edge. Yeah. Well, hey, we we appreciate you being on here. It's been a very, very, very enjoyable. And I, I'm really jealous of you guys that hunt the river and doing that stuff. It's not, everything sounds fun. Even the spending the night on the island would be a good bullshit time with some people. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it's when you hit December, you're glad it's done. You're ready to sleep in a warm bed on the weekend. <laughs> but it's enjoyable. It's a good time with family and friends, and you're just – I mean, you're sitting there shooting the shit with people that you grow up with, and you're just, it's its a great time. A lot Make, of heckling, harassing. Making great memories. Buying, right, buying people drinks afterwards because they missed that bird, or people running out of shells and having them black market shells on the islands to people. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys are living yeah. it right. Show us a picture this year. Post it up when you shoot that banded bird because you're going to get one. It'll it will happen. All right, I will. I will. That will probably be one of the only ones if it happens. I will post up. You just put it in the you put it in the closed group. Everything's safe in there. So so before we get off, yeah yeah, everything's safe. In everything's there. safe in there. But before we get Don't off here, comment. What's your <laughs> prediction for the Packers record this year? Before you get off here, what's your prediction? I can't remember what did I have them at. 10 oh and six? shit! I had them at ten and six. Jeff had them at like eight and eight. I think nine and seven. Yeah, I listened to that. I think Jeff said it wasn't good for next year. I, I'm an Andy. I mean, I'm a Packer fan. I gotta go. I'm going to go 10 and 6 as well. 10 I'm going to be on this one. What about the Vikings? Oh, fuck. Oh. 9 and 7. Who gives a damn? Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, uh, 8 and 8. <laughs> well, we appreciate you being on here, man. God bless you. Keep up with those kids and keep doing your thing. Have a great day. All right. Thank, Thank you, you, gentlemen. Uh-huh. See you, bud. Bye. Corey Kimnitz. He would have been a fun teacher to have. Yeah. Sounds like he'd be fun to hunt with, too. Yeah, he seems like a real good guy. I'm, I'm serious. Those were good times. I remember the days before I got in the business of just hunting with my buddies. And I was the only really guy other than Tony that was a waterfowl hunter. I had a lot of guys wanted to go all the time, but they really weren't true waterfowl hunters. Yeah. It would have been fun to grow up around guys that grew up doing the same thing. I agree. Very, very interesting time. 
Uh, we have a few shirts left in select sizes. Big no boys, XLs. No XLs. We got... We got very few 3X and 4X left, too. If you're small, we got plenty of those. Small, medium, and large, we're in good shape. But the other ones, we're about gone on the new shirt. We'll have a new shirt out at the end of, uh, in the middle of June. And I'm working on a uh, trucker hat, too, so... That'll be that'll a be trucker fun. hat. Yeah, like what I've got on now, foam hat. Oh, whatever oh. you want to call it. Oh, I don't. Whatever. Anyway, we appreciate everybody listening and take care. <laughs>